great. Thank you, Phil. And thank you, Taylor. Great job over there. I, uh, I'm very excited about this, uh, this message in this series, and I want to let you know that every single one of y'all that's here today, I've been praying uh, for you, that you would be here today, that God would bring us who he wants. Um, and so this is a very important uh, series to me, and it's funny because uh, with a timetable, usually I don't put our most important series that we do in August for obvious reasons. Uh, it's prime vacation. It's prime. Hey, bef- let's you know, let's let's figure out what we're going to do before school starts. Before you know, life begins for many people uh, in September. And so, uh, it may you may not be. I don't know what you're expecting today, but I'll tell you that uh, this month, this um, this last week in July, and this upcoming month of August. Uh, I think this is the most important series we've ever done, Uh, and I say that because it's not just about a series, it's not just about coming to church or going to church, this is really about being the church this this series is, and uh, each Sunday that you come, you're going to begin to notice that we're approaching church a little different in the next few uh, weeks, and so you'll begin to see that. Um, today is this hopefully we're going to begin to have a different feel. In fact, I was, uh, was going to actually preach down there today and, and just have a different feel, but uh, because of the lights and the, the way this is set up, no one would be able to see us on a uh, podcast, and even you, I would be out, the lights would be behind me. And so, um, so I'm going to stay here, but I want to, to kind of view this as kind of a family meeting as opposed to, uh, hey, we went to church today, check that off the box. And I say that because we're going to reminisce today, and we're really beginning to begin to shift our uh, tone over the course of the next month. In fact, you won't even hear me, uh, you'll, you'll hear me less call this Connection Point Church, and I'm going to start calling it Connection Point Launch Team. And I say that because uh, there's a different mindset of a launch team, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, we started this church uh, in 2006 officially. Uh, it was called the Springs Church, and some of you know the story, some of you do not. The Springs Church was uh, started when my wife and I decided uh, to leave the ministry position I was uh, currently in, and we moved uh, to uh, basically Richardson, but we felt called to start a church in Murphy. And so we started a church in Murphy, uh, just about five minutes away from here, and it was called the Springs Church, and I always tell people I started it with a calling but not a vision. Uh, we went and um, met with my brother and with uh, his wife. We told them, hey, we were going to start a church. And so they said, hey, we're in. We met with a few other uh, people, and we started uh, with about eight people meeting in a house, and we just started this church uh, called the Springs Church. And so uh, when we started the Springs Church, I was so focused on that first day. I um, had a vision of what the kids ministry was going to look like. I called it Camp Springs, and I bought tents. I bought everything that we were going to use, went through me. Um, I told people exactly what it was going to look like. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to, going to work. And then our greeters, I, t- I bought all the signage. I designed all the signs myself. Uh, not necessarily a good thing, um, but everything went through me. Everything, uh, like I had just a picture of what the church was going to look like, okay? And the band, I, I didn't know uh, how we were going to do the band, so I hired a band for the first two weeks, and I thought, you know, we'll figure that out as we go, but I hired a band, I can't remember the guy's name, he, he was on uh, American Idol, which was a big deal, but he didn't win American Idol, I want to be clear on that, he was just like on it, okay, but uh, he actually was on TV, and I thought, that's kind of a cool thing, and so I hired him, and uh, I got the night before our, we were going to launch this church, our first uh, Sunday, and I realized I had not prepared a sermon. <laughs> and so I, uh, I knew what the greeters were going to do. I knew what the kids minister was going to do. I knew what the worship band was going to play. I knew all the details. I had already put the signs out, but I had not thought of the message. And I preached what was probably the worst message I've ever preached in my life. And so for some reason, people came back, and we, had, and we, we started the church, and it was, oh, it was pretty good. And so uh, it wasn't a big church, but we uh, were about a year into it or a year and a half into it. And I went and I asked my brother, I can't remember why I asked him this, but I said, are you closer to God now than you were when we started this church? And his answer was life-changing for me. It changed the way I view my role as a pastor. It changed the way that uh, 
I lead. It changed so many things for the, the course of my life. And I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment as clear as possible because he actually spoke through someone else. He, he spoke through my brother at that time. My brother's answer was this. I don't know if I'm closer to God, but I know I'm tired. That's what he said. And I, I began to realize, you know what? I had told them how they were going to uh, set up, and he had been setting up every single uh, day or every single week. He would get there, and he was uh, still setting up every week. He would get there at 5.30, 6 o'clock. I can't remember what time it is, but he would sometimes drive our, our big truck, which may or may not start. We may have to deal with that. And it was just a, uh, it was a hassle, and every week he would get there at 6.30 or 7, and he would stay till 1 or 2, and it just dawned on me, you know, I put so much into what this church was going to physically look like, but I had not ever sat down and thought about where we would be as people, as church members, a year into this. What was the course? Where was, what were, what were we going to look like? And so I made a decision uh, pretty soon after that. I went to our church and I said, we're going to stop meeting uh, and we're just going to meet and pray. And we're going to specifically pray for a couple of things. But the number one thing is we're going to pray for a vision, that God will give us a vision. And so when we started Connection Point Church, it came out of this church that we had shut down in Murphy. Um, And I felt like a failure. I felt like all of these things. But I also knew as we were starting this that, man, we have gained a PhD in how not to run a church in a lot of ways. But God did a lot of things. I, I, I want to be clear. We baptized people. We, people met the Lord. It was, a, it was God was moving despite me, which happens a lot. But we started this church. We said we have a very specific mission. And our mission, hopefully you know it, but there, hopefully you're seeing now why we had this mission. To lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. In other words, we started this church with the idea that, wait a second, we're going to take people somewhere. We're going to to have this church in mind that people are going to be on a journey and we're going to be taking them somewhere that God wants them to be. Um, Wherever they start, we're going to be taking them. And we even started with uh, kind of a how we're going to take them. We're going to um, ask you to be a part of some environments. We're going to want you to celebrate. We want you to be here on Sundays. We want you to connect in groups outside of Sunday mornings. We want you to contribute. We want you to to give your time to get on serve teams. We want you to do some of these things. We want you to commit to um, daily discipline. So we we kind of had a how we were going to do it. what has excited me about this series, and, and especially last week, if you missed the message last week, I want you to go back and listen to it at some point uh, in the next week. Because last week I, I kind of said uh, the vision for our church is, is 10 years in now to Connection Point Church. Our vision is getting clearer and more defined, and I'm, I'm more excited now. As now I, I, when we started off with this idea of where are we actually taking people from where you are to where God wants you to be, what is where does God want you to be? What does that look like? What does that look like for, for you and you and you and for different people? And I never really defined it. And the reason I didn't find it is because I assumed, well, it's going to be different for everyone. How could we possibly define it? But what God started to show me was we have a vision. And our vision of our church is not, uh, it's not what the kids ministry looks like. It's not what the church looks like. It's not the physical things we set up. It's the vision is where our people are going, where God wants them to be. The vision we have of this church is a vision for your life. And last week I laid out what I said was uh, the connected life. It's the vision of where we want you to be. And really what we said was there were three relationships. We want you to know God. We want you to, uh, to love God. And we want you to love God in a way in which you, you see the right picture of God and you know who you are in relation to God. You know that you are created in the image of God that you have been forgiven and redeemed by God. And if you see yourself that way, and you know I'm made in the image of God, I've been redeemed, then you're going to love people. As Jesus says, uh, you need to love people as you love yourself. You need to know how to love yourself in the image of God. But if you love people that way, and you forgive them, and you do all the things that God has done for you, I really believe that, that all of the problems that you may have and obstacles you may have in life will begin to fade away and people will become uh, more like God, more like Christ because they know you. The vision of our life is that you have three relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with others, all revolving around this idea of who God is. And and we're going to, to be, you can listen to last week's message, but I say all that because as we approach this next season of our, of our church in which we're going to be portable and in the city of Wiley, for a lot of us, uh, 
It may be, I don't know where, how you feel about it, but I'm more excited just because I, I really see now that this is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg and that you that are here today are the foundation, the scaffolding, if you will, the, the builders of what I believe is going to be a lifelong church. And, and even further than my life, I think what we're about to do, about to build, is, is going to change and impact an entire uh, city and community and beyond that, but also is going to change many, many lives because God is, is just now really putting a lot of these pieces in order. Now, when, I was, uh, when we were starting Connection Point, I would go and visit other churches, and I began to notice that there are some churches where people were just finding life in Christ. They were excited about church. There were certain things that were just kind of dynamic, um, but you couldn't really name them. And I asked one of the pastors of, of the church that I visited, um, this was in uh, North Carolina. I'd, I'd gone to every church that, that I really had heard something about. And one of the pastors told me at this church that was just exploding, he said, you know, we really think that our culture is the difference. And that is just the way we do things. And we define our cultures by what we call our values. And he started telling me about values. And so I thought to myself, oh, well, I'll make up some values. We need some values, okay? And uh, if you've ever been in an, uh, a large company or whatever, you know, you have mission statements, you have visions, you have all this, and they all just get jumbled together. And, uh, and you may or may not know, but, but I saw the, the importance of knowing kind of how you do what you do kind of the, the why behind how it as well. And so we, we had some values in this church, and our values are uh, things like hey, we're a church that forgives, we're a church that does, and all of these things came out of, of, of where we were. We're a church that gives generously. We're a church that uh, takes bold steps. Um, and so as, as we began to define our values and who we wanted to be, uh, I began to, to notice that it was... Clear as mud to me, I knew what we were doing, but a few months ago I asked, uh, I did a random poll, some of you in the, in, uh, the congregation today, but also asked our leaders, I asked uh, our lead team, I asked our elders, hey, tell me our values, and not one person could name all five values that we have as a church. Um, and I don't blame them, I, I, I see that as, okay, well we need to think about this then, what is the culture that we are making? And so I prayed and prayed and prayed uh, about uh, our values, what, what is the importance of our values, of, of who we are, what makes us different than every other church. And, I, and one of the things I realized is instead of making values, which can be lost in the, the kind of the jargon of an organization, God really was, was showing me we need to have our priorities right. We need to have priorities. And so over the next four weeks as we continue this series, I'm going to lay out what I, I think are four priorities um, that kind of in include our values, but four priorities that we have to, to, hills we must die on, if you will. That at all costs, these priorities must, um, must be the focus of what we do to create the, the type of church we want to be. Now, just so you know how important I think priorities are, when you prioritize something, it changes the way that uh, you kind of look at somebody. You kind of say, okay, I know what they're about. Let me give you an example. I was thinking of these in the first service, kind of off my head, and, and the one I came to was this. If I were to say, I love, my, I love my son Clayton, okay? He's my oldest son. I love my son Clayton. You would look and you would say, oh, that's good. He, he loves his son Clayton. I know kind of what he's about. But if I were to say, I love my son Clayton more than Oliver, okay, who's my middle son. All of a sudden, some of you are like, wait a second. That's not as healthy as I thought, but it's clearer. I, I kind of know a little more about what he's about. In other words, when I prioritize something, all of a sudden, things kind of fall in line, and you can begin to see, okay, this is what, this is what he's really about. And, and so when we talk about priorities and we say we're going to value this more than this, it's going to really, I hope, begin to show you the impact of where we're going as a church. And so today I want to give you what I believe is the most important, the number one priority. I hope all of us will memorize this and live this out and be able to communicate this um, as a church. I think that this priority has been, this message, you're going to hear this message uh, probably in a longer form at some point, just because God has really been working on this. The number one priority of our church is that we must prioritize relationships over religion relationships over 
religion. That has to be the foundational because uh, uh, value, if you will, a priority of our church. And and the reason that I, I came to this was because as we've been preparing for this move, God has put this on my heart that there's a lot of people in church right now as we speak. Some of the people that I'm referring to are in this church at right now who go to church every, every week. You uh, may do everything you think you're supposed to do, but yet you leave here and you still have a sense of guilt, shame, or fear about life. And, and it kind of just began to break my heart that how can this be if, if we're supposed to be free from these chains, from shame and the guilt and the fear uh, that, and, the, and hold on to these promises? How is it? That there are so many people that I meet that go to church. And as we move into a new community, they're going to they're see another church. And if they come and they find what they found at every other church of, hey, this is just religion. This is, you go to church, you check it off a box, you may do this, you may serve here. Or may, but if we, if we are careful, um, if, if we aren't careful, religion will overshadow our relationships. And this cannot be. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, which is the, one of his most famous uh, messages, it was a sermon on the mount. He says, wide is the gate and easy is the way and many to destruction and many follow it. But he said, narrow is the gate and hard is the way that leads to life and few find it. And that just convicted me of, that's a scary thought that even in church, why is it? That we have this message of freedom, this message of hope, but yet many of us, he says, are not going to find it. Few find it. So today I want to show you why this value is so important, why it must be our number one priority in this church, and where it leads us. Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 25, um, and this is a story maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard, but it's a story that's made to shock you. It's a story that's built for people who have gone to church their whole life or have grown up uh, thinking, hey, I know what, I know what God is about. You, you, follow the, you do this. And, and he puts a twist at the end that uh, is, is a better twist than any movie you would see in Hollywood. This is the story that he tells. He's making up this story, and he says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like... And this tells you that there was something going on before this. Before this, he, in the sermon, he, he said, there's going to be a day, and you're not going to know the day or the hour. There's going to be a time in which uh, the Son of Man comes back. He says, basically, God's going to return, and he's going to set in full motion the kingdom of God. It's, it's going now, but it's going to be fully. There's going to be a test at the end of this, is what he's saying. Now, if you're a school teacher, you may not like it when you're, you're told to teach to the test. But I believe, as a pastor the best thing I can do is teach to the test. If there's going to be a test, if you're going to stand before a judge or stand before God and you're going to have to know, know the answer to why should I let you into heaven, I think that's worth me saying, let's teach to that, okay? And uh, not only teach to that, but also understand that Jesus said, I've come so that you may have life, not just eternal life, but you may have abundant life, that it'll also impact how you live now. So he tells this story. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now this story, every word is important. Every word was carefully chosen by Jesus, okay? Ten virgins, they're all, uh, they're all uh, sexually pure. They've all been uh, raised in a, a household that would have told them this is how you're supposed to, to treat your body, and they, they all are equal footing. They're ten virgins, so they're all ladies, but uh, they're, not the, they're not the bride. I want to make that clear. In the story, these are not the bride. These are, uh, they are going to a party, a wedding feast is what's going to happen. And so these are young women that want to go to the wedding party. And so they get their lamps, and they're going to go meet the bridegroom. And, and the groom is off preparing. This is what would happen. The groom would go off and prepare the house he was going to eventually have the party in. He would uh, take his time, do all what he needed to do. And then at night, usually, when he was ready to, to have the feast and, and to, it would be a ceremony, the, all the people that were going to be a part of the wedding uh, uh, feast would have lamps because it's dark. And so they would have their lamps, they would go out and meet him, and then they would follow the, the groom back, and they would be a part of the party. So that's what's, what's going on here. They're, hey, there's going to be a wedding feast. Let's go. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. 
notice he doesn't say five were good and five were bad. He said five were, were foolish and five were wise, okay? So there's ten of them there, and there's a difference between them, okay? For the foolish took their lamps, and they took no oil with them. So they had the lamp. The lamp was probably full of oil, and it was burning, but they didn't have extra oil. And that made them foolish, he says. But the wise took flask of oil with the lamps. They took uh, holsters of, of more oil. They, they were prepared to, to be there for as long as it took. They were well prepared, and that made them wise. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. They fall asleep. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all the virgin, those, um, they rose and they trimmed their lamp. That is, they cut the, cut the right amount of oil, so the right amount of light. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us uh, and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And so the foolish ones are, have to go off and buy. And while they're gone... While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. The groom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. The party starts. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. They're knocking at this door, and they're about to try, have to be in the situation where they're going to have to explain why they should be get, let in. I don't want you to read ahead uh, if, you have, uh, if you've got it in front of you. Because I want you to think about what you would say if you're trying to get in. And this is the point that Jesus is trying to make. What would you say to the person who is going to let you into the wedding feast? The wedding feast being the kingdom of heaven, being eternal life. What are you going to say? And he's set it up perfectly because he's, he's had these dynamics going on that make you think it's going one way. He's got wise and foolish, and the wise are already in. So obviously they did something right. And he said the only difference between them, they've all been sexually pure, so it's not about their past. It's not about they, they all fell asleep. It was a note, and then there were all these little notes. But he said the only difference was some had extra oil. Some had done uh, a little extra work on the front end. So when it gets to verse 12, there are some things you might be expecting. He answered, truly, truly, I say to you, you were not virgin enough. No, he didn't say that. It's very interesting that when we think about uh, how we are right with God, a lot of us uh, are so over, you know, are we sexually pure? And we, we kind of define, you know what, I, I've been a good girl, or maybe you feel guilt and shame, you know what, I know that, uh, that my past might catch up to me. But understand, that was not the question. That was not what the answer was. That was not on the test. Maybe he said, you know what, you didn't have enough oil. You didn't have enough oil. But that's not what he said. He didn't say, you know what, you didn't do enough. You weren't prepared enough. You didn't go to church enough. You didn't do all the things that I asked you to do. You didn't do enough. That wasn't part of the test. That wasn't the criteria to getting into the feast. And it's kind of shocking because you would expect that to be the criteria since that's the only difference that's been presented was that the wise ones had an extra flask, that they were, seemed to be more prepared. But yet when the criteria for getting in the feast comes, that has nothing to do with it. Truly, truly, I say, you shouldn't have fallen asleep. Well, he didn't say that either. In fact, he made clear, not only were they all virgins, though that's not the case, they also all fell asleep. You know, some of you have fallen asleep in church. That's good news for you. That's not the criteria, okay? It's not that you, 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 were, you, know, you weren't uh, uh, fully aware. They all fell asleep. He makes it a point in the story to say, it wasn't because you fell asleep that you're not getting in. Well, maybe you should have been here sooner. You know, I say to you, you should have been here. You should have arrived sooner. But he doesn't even say that. He doesn't say, you know what, you just weren't ready. You weren't prepared at the right time. You know, you, you spent your whole life wasting it, and at the last second you want in. He didn't even say that. When it comes to this criteria in which all of these, these expectations that we have about what religion is, how do we get close to God? Well, most of us would say, well, you, you know, you got to live right. You got to 
do the right things. You got to go to church. You got you to make sure your oil, you got to be filling that oil all the time. You got to be making sure that you're always doing enough to f- keep your oil filled because that's what's going to be why. And that does make you wise, but being wise and is, isn't even the condition that he says you weren't wise. He doesn't even say that. The only question, the only thing he says to them in verse 12, he says, truly I say to you, I do not know you. So you find out that the only reason those five got in were because they already knew him and the other five were just people who saw a party and said, hey, let's go to the party. Had nothing to do with trim lamps. That's not even a part, that's not the criteria. That was just, that just happened. The reason they didn't have their their full flask was because they they didn't know the groom. They, they, They were just there for a party. Hey, we'd love to go to a wedding party. And the only criteria for getting in had nothing to do with any details in the story. The only, only criteria was they actually knew the groom. They actually were a part, they were supposed to be at this feast because they had a relationship with the groom. The reason that they were there when he came there is because, and the reason they went in is because they knew him. And even if the other ones would have been there, it would have been this, the, the groom would have looked at him and said, hey, uh, this is not an open party to everybody who wants to come. I, I don't know you. You're not coming. That was the only criteria. In fact, Jesus uh, makes this even clearer in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This is the same sermon that he talked about the narrow road. This is what he says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So in other words, there are going to be some of us going to church, doing uh, everything we think, filling our our flask with oil, um, and we're going to say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus says, not everyone who, who was in church saying, Lord, Lord, is going to be with us in heaven. He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That is, did we not teach? Did we not tell people who you are? Did we not do stuff for you? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? Man, we went to church. We preached. We told people. We did this. We did that. We did this. And Jesus says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. The only test, it's not what you did. It's not what you said. It's not any part of the religious stuff you think it's about. It's, did I know you? And I will look at you and I will say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You thought you were following the law. You thought you were getting closer to God, but you were further from God. You are lawless. You are nowhere near getting into the kingdom of heaven because I did not know you. The only criteria, the only answer when you stand and knock is do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him. If there's anything that I can do to be a successful pastor, it's that every one of you understands that when you get to that day, it's not about what you've done. And I, I hope you've been, lived a holy life. I hope you've been wise, all of those things, but you didn't do those to get in because that was not the test. The test was, do you know him and nothing else? And if you know him, you have confidence you know, someday I'm going to walk into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to be walking with open arms. They're going to let me into the wedding feast. And that's why when I leave church, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel shame. I don't feel worse than when I walked in because I just came and I met with my Savior. I met with God and it was just about my relationship with him. It was not about how, how pure I'd been living. It was not about these things. It was simply about knowing my Savior. But I will tell you, my fear is that every one of us loses sight of this. And we think, man, I know I, I sinned this week. I'm guilty. There's no way God will let me. Or, you know what? I just don't deserve this. Maybe God is punishing me. But he made it clear. I'm not punishing you because you fell asleep. I'm not punishing you because the only question is, did you know him? If there's one value that I hope we prioritize over everything else, it's that your relationship is more important than your religion, what you do. We never want to be a church where it's just coming and checking a box. I served in the kids. I, was a, you know, I did this. I did that. I gave money. I did what I was supposed to do. And surely that's enough. Instead, I want us to be confident of when I stand before the Lord. It's not going to be about any of that stuff. I'm simply going to say, I know you. 
You are my Savior, my Redeemer. As Paul says, um, Paul, Paul, Paul talks about his life, and he was a Jewish man, lived his whole life following the law. But yet when he says, what is my life about in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ and him crucified so that someday I can know the power of his resurrection. This is a man who followed religion his whole life, but when he said, what is my life going to come down to? It's, do I know him? This single idea can transform the world and can transform every person you know. And some of you right now who have been thinking, you know what? I've been trying to be good, or maybe I've quit trying to be good because I know I can't be good. If all you begin to do is say, you know what? Every day I'm going to run to Christ. I'm going to run to Jesus, and I want to know him more. That can transform your life. You can live a life without shame and fear simply by following him and knowing him. Like maybe that's a decision you make today, but where I want to go with this is even deeper than this. As we get more clear and more intentional with the, the gospel, that this is the gospel that Jesus came, died on a cross, and he did it so that religion would be defeated. And I'm not talking about religion in that there are, the Bible sometimes talks about religion. James, the, the brother of Jesus, says true religion is this, that you help the orphans and widows. That's, that's, if you're a, a Christ follower and you know God, you're going to be doing these things. But for most of us, religion is just, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I do things. I read the Bible. Maybe I feel guilty because I don't do these things. Understand, that is not what Jesus preached it was about knowing him. And over and over again, I can show you the question that you are going to have to answer is, do you know him? Do you know him? And that is it. What about what are the, all, of the, all of those things, those, those things that you say, well, what about, we've got to make sure that, that people know they can't be sinning and this and that. Every time that we call and we say, when we call someone who's outside the church a sinner, what we do to them is we tell them, hey, the test is about, uh, you know, have you been sexually pure? Or are you, are you following the right rules? That's what we tell people when we condemn them as sinners. Instead, we need to be pointing them to Christ. And as they come and follow Christ, they'll begin to, to let those things fall away. And they'll want to obey. They'll want to have their lives. But it starts with, do you know him? And there are so many, one of the mistakes I've seen churches make is we begin to unknowingly move the goalpost and say, you know what? Yes, you got to believe. Yes, you got to follow. Yes, you got to, but you also got to be this or you got to be that. What makes our church fundamentally different is that we are going to prioritize relationship, relationship, relationship over religion. We are not going to be a church where we check off the box. And I say all this because where I want to take this is a little different um, in that all of us here, you hear this message and maybe it's life trans um, you know, transforming you today. Maybe in, in your mind you're thinking, you know what? I have a coworker, I have a family member that they were burned by a church or they, they, they got burned out of church and they're no longer there because, you know, they, 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 they've done the religion thing. As we move forward in a church, we're going to be a church that proclaims this. I want you to understand how we got here. We got here as a church from the Springs Church to Connection Point and all of this, not just because you have a great pastor, not just because I knew all the answers, not just because I did all the right things. This church was, was built by people who made the decision, there are people that need to know this. There are people that need to hear the true gospel, that it is about, do you know him? And we need to point Christ, people to Christ at all cost. Um, so I'm going to use a little technology. We'll see how this goes. But I want to show you some, some videos of how we started this church and even some of you that have found Christ in this church, I want you to see some of the things you might not have known about how we got here. We started in a uh, hotel. And the very first day that we set up, I'm going to show you a video, and it's got our first days. And I want to let you know, when we started, I didn't set up. I, I, I came, but I specifically was preparing to preach that Sunday. And as I was preparing to preach, there were other people who were building the tabernacle, so to speak, who were preparing for what God was going to do. So as we watch this video, I want you to notice there's one video that I'm in, but I want you to know all I'm doing is walking around videoing. The rest, I want you to see how we got where we got. Hey, let's say hi, set of crew. 
These are the Warriors. How's hey. video? Hey. Yay. Open hearts, open eyes. God, allow us to be used by you in a mighty way. God, is that enough? We used to make our carts, by the way. comes into kind of a lobby area. We've got our uh, kids registration, which will be right now. What's interesting about this is when we look at our church, and this is our church from this year, I want you to realize we got here um, because when we started, there were people who got up at 5.30 and said, we're going to build a church. We're going to prepare for guests. And it was more than just, hey, uh, I'll get there and set up. I want you to know that here's, uh, here's a little picture of Joey and some other faces, two uh, guys that uh, don't go here. One of them, Patrick Jones. Uh, uh, son uh, was there from the beginning. Matt Masulo back in the day. Joey, young hip Joey, uh, throwing down the look of a just out of college kid. And uh, I also want you to see that we um, in in some of our early days we didn't have a stage. In fact, you couldn't really see the screen. Uh, the band had to had to move so you could read all the words. Uh, and we made do, but. Not only did we prepare and did the setup team show up and do all that. Um, there's another thing you might not have known. I want to show you, first of all, look at this picture. This is a picture of one of her first. And you see two faces right there. You see Daniel Montgomery and Jessica. This is Daniel, uh, baby Daniel is what I call this one, <laughs> without a beard. But I say that because this is, I mean, weeks into this. Uh, and there aren't many people here. Understand that there are like 15 people showing up to, to our church at that time. And we didn't have a, beyond the people setting up and actually doing church. We were very small. But what was interesting is those of us that were showing up and preparing every single week, we didn't just show up and set up church. Uh, I want you to watch this. This is just a small clip. Um, and what's going on in this is we are practicing how we are going to greet people, okay? We would show up on Tuesday and Thursday nights, and we would have this time. And that's not even their kid, by the way. That we would hand, a, uh, we would pretend and role play. This is how we're going to greet people. This is how we're going to, because we were all new with this, and so we made the decision. Man, we want to to go through. So when Daniel and baby Daniel and Jessica show up. Uh, that we're going to be able to respond to them. And many of you came in those first days, uh, Reggie and Sherry back there, a lot of you came in those first days at our hotel. And, uh, and what's interesting about that is you came in, and I don't know what you were expecting, but at least you found people who were prepared for you. You found people who had trained and had taken up, I mean, can you imagine right now if I said, hey, I want you to come on Thursday and on Tuesday, and we're going to practice meeting people, <laughs> okay? Many of you would be like, I'm washing my hair that day, Joel, I can't make it. But I understand this, this church was founded on people who saw this vision and said, you know what? We want to be prepared if that's what God, and, and, and at 5.30 in the morning, they were telling me, Joel, you be preparing the message, we'll prepare the place, We'll get it ready for you, okay? And, and every single thing that happened, Lynn, uh, the, the children's ministry from day one, Lynn was, was working on it. I never had to put my hands into the kids' ministry. I never, I mean, I would show up and the, the setup team had, had made decisions and done, and I never had to, to think through the band, think through any of that. It was all taken care of. And I, I just had a realization as we were starting this is, the Holy Spirit can use you just as much as he can use me. In fact, if I'll get out of the way, the Holy Spirit will use a lot more people than just me. And as we began this church, a lot of the people that came to this church in the beginning came because we were prepared and we were ready. And then these people became foundations uh, of, our, of our church and would join in. And, and it's funny that 
you know, we thought we were a year old and we thought we were, you know, hey, we've been going a year. And some of the people that joined us a, a year into it felt like newcomers now are the pillars of our church. And what excites me is now some of you that maybe you've only been coming a year or two or maybe three or four years and it feels like you're old school here. You're new school. You're, you're, you're the foundation of what God is about to do. But some of the people we're going to meet in the next few, few months are going to become foundation people to this church as well. In the first few uh, months of our church, I baptized my son. Uh, my brother baptized his son. In fact, we baptized a lot of people when we started this church. And the reason we were baptizing is, first of all, it was easy to baptize because when uh, we found out you can just go get any pool and you can literally just get everybody in the pool and I can just like walk down, baptize them real quick, or I can have many people baptize. It was so much more efficient. But it was an event when we had baptism. It was an event. It was fun. I mean, it was a party. Uh, that's also, by the way, where we began winning softball championships. I just had to throw that in there as well. That uh, this is a 10-year tradition that we plan on continuing as well um, uh, of winning championships. But what I want you to see all this is the foundations of this church were built on people who said, we're not just going to go to church, we're going to be the church. And the reason that we got there and set up was not because we needed it for ourselves. It's because we were praying, preparing a place that people could come into and be ready, and then they got there, there's an expectation that uh, the band is going to be well prepared, that, that Joel is going to, or whoever's preaching is going to be well prepared, and that we have a message. And what excites me the most about where we're going is that we know so much more now about where we want to take people. And, and our children's ministry is not figuring out how to be a children's ministry now. Uh, we're not figuring out how, how to do this. In fact, even our setup team, we used to build our carts and do whatever we could do. But understand now, because you guys have been faithful in giving and stuff, we, are, uh, we have a custom uh, uh, trailer coming with custom carts. We, have, we are well prepared for what this step we're about to take. The main thing we need to be prepared for, though, is not the stuff in the place. It's the people we're going to be meeting and what God is going to do through you in order to reach this next generation of Connection Point Church. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures of where we're going to be in 28 days. In 28 days, there's going to be volunteers, some of you greeting at these doors. And they're going to be people walking in these doors for the first time. People that, that maybe they've tried church in, in, a, in a church building, but they're going to check out a church in the neighborhood that their kid goes to school or that they see flags because it looks a little different, but they're, they've been down the religion path. And some of these are going to be hard situations, marriages that are struggling or whatever, and they're going to hope that the church they're walking into knows where they're taking them. Uh, you're going to walk in and You'll go through these doors. There'll probably be signs at these doors. You'll walk in here and there'll be a, a lobby here that will have, a, there'll be coffee. There will be signage. There will be greeters. Some of you will be there ready to receive the people that walk through these doors. Um, we will be worshiping in a cafetorium. We will have uh, this, oh, not that, not that. This will be the stage we will be at uh, and the gospel will be proclaimed in here. There will be, uh, 150 or 200 chairs out there. Our kids will be running around in, uh, in, a, in a gym and well-prepared in this gym and, uh, and ready with a message that just like my son, uh, three of my sons have accepted Christ in this church, the same is going to happen to these kids that come in to this elementary school. The same is when you come in, you take a left and right there is the library. And in that library is going to be our preschool ministry. And it's going to be carpeted. It's going to be well uh, um, designed for our little kids, but some of you are going to be holding babies in this room, and some of you are going to be receiving a, a mom who's bringing in her ch child and is not sure she can trust a stranger, and you're going to be so ready for her, and she's going to let down her guard, and she's going to walk in and hear the gospel because we have a, a, a church that is ready for this next season. I say all this because over the next few weeks, I want to make clear whether this is uh, a first-time guest walking in or if you've been here for many years or maybe you're just trying still, hey, I don't know about this move. I don't know about what it's going to look like. I want to let you know that what God is about to do in us and through us is going to be unlike any church experience you've probably ever had if you've never been a part of a, of a, a church like this where we have to set up, we have to come together, and we have to be prepared. And we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it with an expectation of, hey, I got up and set up because I, I expect God to reach somebody new this week.
And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to begin doing is if you look over here to the left, you'll see our Wiley Launch Serve Team signups. The next month for us is going to be Launch Team. It is going to, uh, it's going to be less about coming to church, more about being the church. And so what we're going to be doing is um, over there, um, you'll see there are two different, there's on Sunday and there's non-Sunday. And on Sundays, which is going to be our primary presence to most first-time guests, I hope that all of you will choose to find a place where you can sign up and you can serve. And understand, there's a, a few new teams over there. There's a, a setup team over there that we don't have right now. And that setup team is not going to be getting up at 5.30. It'll be probably closer to 6, 6.30, maybe even later as we figure out what we're doing. But... Uh, Every single person can join the setup team. I want to let you know that. That even if you're in the kids' ministry or if you are going to serve as a greeter, you can come early and set up. You can stay late and and tear down. And there might be a few weeks where we're all trying to figure out how we do this. And it's going to be well-designed. Things are going to have their place, and we're going to have to go through a learning process. And that's what the next few weeks is going to be about. It's about us preparing for how we're going to set up the location, but it's also going to be about uh, us training to receive guests. And so if you sign up for the greeting team, there's going to be some Sundays coming up in which we're going to, uh, at the end of church, break up. Um, and we're just going to role play and practice how do we receive guests. And we're going to do what we did to prepare for you and to get us here. There's going to be some, uh, the, the kids ministry is going to go through training. And we're going to make, if you're new to the kids ministry or if you've been on the kids ministry, we're going to make sure, hey, we're ready. We know how to receive guests, we, our kids. We also know how, to, uh, how we're going to lead them from where they are to where God wants them to be. The next few weeks is not about us going to church. It's about becoming the church. And I promise you, the experience I believe that you are going to have spiritually in the next few, you're going to see people Come to know Christ because of the effort and the stuff we're about to do, like maybe you've never experienced. Now, there's some non-Sunday stuff, too, that you're welcome to sign up for. I hope everyone will sign up for the Sunday stuff. But you can also choose. We're adding a youth ministry, and this is something we're, we're starting. We're going to start. Uh, it's going to have middle school ministry and high school ministry, something that we believe we need to be prepared for. So we're going to start that. Maybe that's where you feel called. There's an outreach team. Now, one of the differences, our entire church is going to be an outreach team when we actually get there. But where if you are into organizing um, outreach events and, and plugging into the community, that's what the outreach team is about. There's also going to be some, uh, some opportunities for member resources if you want to help uh, with follow-up. We're going to have uh, a follow-up team, which we don't actually, right now, I just do the follow-up. Hopefully I do a good job of it, but we're going to have somebody who, when a card is checked or when somebody comes for the first time or when somebody makes a decision for Christ, we're going to make sure that we walk with them through their first weeks of um, of being a Christian. We're going to be more prepared for what God is going to do than we've ever been. And so if that's somewhere you feel called, sign up for the follow-up team as well. But on Sunday morning, understand that's where a lot of people are going to walk in for the first time. Some of them will be just checking out a church, but some of them will be hoping that they find a church that's ready for them. And they may not be expecting much in a church that's new, meeting in a school, but what they're going to find is that we are not only well prepared, but that God has been preparing us for years for this. And so how we're going to close today is I'm going to read uh, one scripture that I want to close with, and then I'm going to pray. And when we end, I'm not dismissing you to leave church yet. I want all of us to go, and if you know where you're going to sign up, if you're already on the kids' team and you know you're staying on the kids' team, hey, you can, hey, go sign up. I want you to write on the wall, and understand writing uh, that all of these walls, before we moved in here and painted these walls, we had names written under these walls. And some some of your names, you don't even know it, are written underneath the paint of these walls because somebody was praying for you and preparing for you. In the same way, we're going to write on the outside of the paint. And we're going to prepare for the next phase of our church. And so when I dismiss, I want to dismiss all of us over here. We're going to do this again next week. We might even do it the next few weeks um, so that everybody can sign up. Uh, you're not signing your name on, the, on you know, the line forever. Okay? If you decide, you know what, I really want to do something else, uh, you can do it. Now's the time. If you want to change teams, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. But uh, understand that our kids' teams and our greeting teams, our setup teams, that we want to be ready. And there's also, if you'll notice, there's a little space over there, the whatever, uh, the whatever team, whatever's needed. Some of you, if that's where you want to be, 
That's fine. Now, you also notice there, like, there are some teams that aren't here. We have a safety team that's doing it. The safety team, is we're not opening that up to other people. It's already got six guys that are doing a great job. But hopefully, if you're on the safety team, you're also going to sign up for somewhere else. You could be a greeter. You could be on the setup team. You can do that. Um, we're going to be well prepared. God is about to do something fantastic. I want to remind us the words of Paul. He says, and Paul was a lifelong, like I said, a lifelong Jew. He says, I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Our vision for the community of Wiley, Saxe, all of the surrounding areas, is that they may know him and they may attain the power of his resurrection. So as we dismiss, I hope you'll pray and consider what God is going to use you next in this church. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this church and for this new season. Lord, I, I thank you so much for the lives that you are going to change, not just inside this church, but the, the new faces that are going to come over the next few months and that you're going to grab a hold of their life and you're going to not only transform their life, but you're going to, to bring them as, bring new people in as foundations in this church. Some of our new friends are going to be found in the next few months as new faces come in, but Lord, I, I just pray that you'll convict us right now that we're not doing this because we think it's going to help us get into heaven or this is what we're supposed to do as a church. Instead, Lord, I pray that our relationship will be uh, with you is so, so strong, so life-giving that we say, you know what, God has, has given me so much life. All I want to do is know him more. And if I can help other people do that, then I want to do it. Lord, I pray that you will give us a heart, a motivation to simply love others the way you have loved us. So we don't serve out of conviction or out of compulsion. We do it out of conviction of knowing how much you've transformed our life. Lord, I pray that every one of us will prayerfully consider where you are calling us to lead over the next few months. And those of us that can't, uh, for one reason or another, serve on Sunday, Lord, I pray that we'll find a non-Sunday uh, job and that every one of us will, will be convicted, hey, I want to be a part of what you're about to do. And Lord, I thank you so much for giving us a clear vision, a fresh vision in this church of where we are leading people. And we pray that the next few weeks and months will be the most fruitful season we've ever seen at Connection Point Church. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Y'all, thank you very much. You are dismissed to sign up.